0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, I don't know what it is yet that we got, but I'll just thank you in advance for that uh, because what they gave us tonight is the fake one, I guess. So we'll... (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. You should open that and see what's in there. I wonder what they put in the fake one. Oh, okay. It'd be exciting. Uh, Well, thank you. appreciate that very much. And we are excited to see what God is doing. Again, just to hear that Hands of Hope went out and seven families received furniture today from Hands of Hope. 86, I believe, families got food today from River of Life Church. And so, and I, the clothing closet was open. I didn't hear their numbers, but it was, it was hopping down here. And it's just exciting to see what God is doing. Amen. Amen. I mentioned to you last week that uh, Nikki is also uh, stepping. I, I was thinking as, as we were praying over Jordan, how amazing it is. Jordan was a young lady that I believe she started in the youth group and then, and then moved into being on youth staff. God laid the, the, the dream of break line on her heart, and she stepped right into that. Nikki was a young lady that was in kids program, then youth group, and then God placed her as our kids director for the last uh, several years. And so it's really cool to see um, what God does when when we raise our children in in the church and watch what God does through them. And so next week, uh, this weekend is, I believe, Nikki's last weekend in there, but next weekend, we want to honor her. And so Uh, Many of you have had your children in in, uh, Nikki in the program down at the other end. And I would just love it if next weekend, not only will you come out so that we can say thank you to her, but even if you think about it this week and you can write her a little note, if there's something that that specifically you remember that happened with one of your kids or an interaction that you had with her, I know that would mean the world to her if if we could present those to her after each of the gatherings next weekend. And we just want to say thank you to her. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, there was a... The little promo there was for next weekend. We're going to start a new series called Ghost Stories as we look at the Holy Ghost and we talk about Pentecost and what that means to us as a church and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the world today. And so I want to encourage you to come out next weekend as we start this series. I'm really excited about it, and I think it's going to be eye-opening for some of you and exciting for many of you who've been raised in a Pentecostal church and, and you just want to hear more about what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going we're gonna to close out this series this weekend that, we, that just two weekends long. We called it In His Hands. And so if you were with us last weekend, you know that we were talking about how, what God does in uncertain times in our lives. And we, I shared with you that there are so many stories, most of the stories that we find in scriptures where we see an incredible miracle take place. It starts in a place of somebody having some uncertainty, of being in a place where life seems uncertain, where things seem hard and they seem overwhelming. And it's in that soil that the Holy Spirit comes and does something incredible inside of us and through us, if we'll put our trust in him. And so if you missed last weekend, I would encourage you to get back online and watch that. But I want to look for just a moment at Psalm 46. And it starts off like this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Now, This is a great verse, and and we're going to read more of the chapter in just a a second, but it almost sounds like a verse that was maybe penned in a meadow at sunset when everything's going well, and you've got this nice breeze, right? It sounds really poetic and beautiful. Can you bring me that water? I appreciate that. Let me just take a drink in front of all of you, because that's always a crowd pleaser. Hey, some of you were here on Sunday morning. You know exactly what that's about. If you weren't here on Sunday morning last week, I got to dedicate my grandbaby. And uh, they put a nice, beautiful picture of her up on the screen. And uh, I didn't realize that. So I got up here and they were like, "Oh," And I was like, is that the new greeting when I get up on the? Anyhow, all right. guess you had to be there. Um, As we continue, (laughs) Psalm 46, verse 2 says this. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble as waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army Uh, uh, is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars and ends throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world." So, this scripture is poetic and amazing, and it gives us this sense of awe and understanding of the God that we serve. I told you last week that a lot of the reason why we come together and we sing the songs that we do is because for many of us, it's not because God doesn't already know those things about Himself, it's so that we're reminded about those things about God. So that when you're in the middle of a hard season, you can be reminded of who God is and what He does. But I told you last week, as we look at we looked at Paul's story, and we, I said to you, it's so important that we look at things in context. Last week, we looked at that passage of Scripture where Paul says, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. While he's in the middle of an extremely hard season, Paul tells us to rejoice. So today, I want us to look at this verse in context as well, because it is a powerful uh, verse, but what you need to understand is that it was penned by the psalmist in 701 B.C., Hezekiah is king of Judah, and he has entered into his reign, and he has cleaned house. He has removed idols, and he has established a, a godly kingdom. And this is what first, Second Kings chapter 18 says about this. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands of the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything that he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far as far distant as Gaza and its territory from their smallest outpost to the largest wall city. So As we look at this story, I want us to just take a moment. I want to understand things in context. So we read this verse, and the verse was written during this time where where, uh, they're saying, listen, our God is is powerful. He's able, and everything sounds really good in it. But what you need to understand is when it was written, this evil king of Assyria had, had begun to surround other nations. He was one of the most effective and feared military forces in the ancient world. He was ruthless. He was beyond measure. And he would, he would do things like torture. He would skin people alive. He would cut off parts of their body and leave them alive. He was, he was a horrible, horrible man. And his goal wasn't just to win a battle, but it was to devastate and to humiliate his, his opponent. And he would win continually. He kept taking all of the land. And so in this time of national turmoil... This, this particular scripture was penned. See, a lot of times when we read a scripture, especially out of Psalm, we, we think, oh man, this is beautiful. I can see David in a meadow with his harp and just writing this beautiful song. But what you need to understand is this king is coming against Hezekiah and, and the children of Israel. And then this, these words are written, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So today, and and the reason that we're doing this mini series is I really feel as though there's some of us that are, that are uh, hearing these words and you need to be reminded that even in the middle of your turmoil, in, even in the middle of the hardest thing that you may be faced with today, God is in control. God is able. We've got to put our hope and our trust in him and we've got to understand who he is. In times of trouble, God overflows with exceedingly abundant protection and provision and strength. That's the God that you serve. So what does it mean to us today? We don't live in Jerusalem. We're not under attack by the Assyrians. What does it mean when you're feeling overwhelmed or or you have anxiety? Maybe you are terrified of the world that you're raising your children in. You can't help but turn on the news or watch social media and see that Disney and Target are sexualizing and grooming our children. And Adidas and Sports Illustrated feel like putting men in women's bathing suits. And it's there to confuse further confuse a generation that's already confused. And it's scary. It makes, us, it makes us fearful at times. Maybe the political mess, you don't feel safe, or maybe your job feels fragile, or your marriage is hanging by a thread, or your kids are struggling. What does it mean to feel, uh, feel weak in your faith? God is exactly what you need when you need him and more. Who is God? If you're anxious, he's your peace. When you're hurting, he's your comforter. If you're lacking, he's your provider. When you've sinned, he's your righteousness. Our God is your strength when you're weak. He's your hope when you're hopeless. He's your light when it grows dark. That's who God is. So when you're in trouble, he'll be your shield, your fortress, your rock, your defender. That's the God that you serve. Our God is exactly what you need when you need him and more. Psalm 46, verse 6 through 7 says this, The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So Israel is under threat of attack from an enemy that is stronger than them. And the psalmist says, says, he is our fortress. He is our protector. He will provide what we need when we need it. This isn't somebody wishful thinking. This is someone speaking it into existence as they put faith in their God. Yeah. And for some of us, I think that when we find ourselves in turmoil, the way that we pray is, is almost like we're wishing something to come true. What if instead of wishing when we pray, we speak it and we believe it? Our God is big enough to oversee the whole world and loving enough to care about you. The Assyrian king had come and he, he had all, he'd come up with these, these incredible methods for the day of how, thank you, Siri. Um, he had come up with these incredible ways that he could come to a walled city and he could penetrate uh, the, 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 the strongest of wall. He could either get over it or he could push through it and he'd come up with, and his army was vast and huge. And so any country that he would come against, he would defeat handily. And so verse eight in, this, in Psalm 46 says, come see the glorious works of the Lord. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done or is doing because God has already done glorious works inside of your life. If you're sitting in this room and you've accepted Jesus into your life, you've already seen the biggest miracle that could ever take place. And that is somebody who didn't deserve grace, somebody who was lost, somebody who was doomed, Received salvation from a God who was perfect and didn't need to do anything. But he loved you that much that he, that he died on a cross. And that's why we celebrated that tonight in communion. But you need to realize that's a huge miracle. Amen. And, and pay attention to the other miracles that are taking place in your life. Because as we walk through life and we begin to understand, I don't know about you. But there's so many times that I'm like, oh man, that was really cool what God did. And I love it because the children of Israel, when they crossed over into the promised land, they're told to take stones and and make a monument to remind themselves of where they came from and where they were then. For some of you, you you need to put some stones down. You need to be reminded of what God's done, and maybe that looks different for you. Maybe it's not a stone in your yard, but a post-it note in your, in your bedroom that just says, oh, I remember when God answered this prayer. I remember when God answered that prayer. So that when you come against something that seems overwhelming, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, but God is faithful. God can do what I can't do. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. This is tough. For some of you, being still is the tough part of that verse. Can I tell you, find a space and a time to be still. I'm somebody that from the time that I wake up, I'm usually trying to figure out what my day looks like. And I have to purposefully go and I sit in my office. I've got a chair in there. I'll have a cup of coffee and I will read my Bible, but I will also put my Bible away for a while and I'll just sit in stillness. And it's in those moments a lot of times that God will speak to me clearer than any other time in my day. There's something powerful about being still. So as we continue in the story, the Assyrian king now begins to take cities in Judah and he threatens to attack Jerusalem. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 14. King Hezekiah sent this message to the king of Assyria in Lashish. I have done or." Yeah, I have done wrong. I will pay whatever tribute money you demand uh, if you will just withdraw. The king of Assyria then demanded a settlement of more than 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. To gather this amount, King Hezekiah used all the silver stored in the temple of the Lord and in the place of treasury. Hezekiah even stripped the gold from the doors of the Lord's temple and from the doorposts he had overlaid with gold and gave it to the Assyrian king. So I want us to look at this for just a moment because we read earlier Hezekiah did, did all this stuff right, but in this moment, fear begins to overtake him. He has committed himself to being a follower. That he was that their kingdom was going to do what God asked him to do, and he had even, as, reading, as we read that, that he was doing what he was supposed to do. Part of that was denying the king of Assyria tribute. In other words, not paying him anymore. And now the the king has made this threat. He's going to come and he's going to attack Jerusalem. And so out of that, Hezekiah writes him and says, please don't. What do I need to do? And they say, we need these tons of silver and a ton of gold. And so Hezekiah goes to the temple and he takes all of the wealth out of the temple of the Lord and he gives it to the Syrian king. Why? Because at that moment, he lost sight of who he was trusting in. Why? Because it seemed like there was no other way. So many times in our lives when there's a problem that comes up, we pray about it, but then we try and fix it on our own. We have something that comes up and we go, oh, I'm going to pray. But again, our prayer feels a little bit more like wishful thinking, but then we still go into action to try and make something happen instead of trusting that God will make it happen. So in this moment, he gives all this stuff away. And so after some time, the story continues, and the Assyrian king announces that he will take Jerusalem. So he sends this letter, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. This message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by, a king, by the kings of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? So Hezekiah, now something clicks. Something changes in him. He gets this letter and, and even as, as he must have read this, it must have, been, it must have been that moment where he realizes this guy is now not only is he trying to threaten us, but he's mocking God because he says, don't let the God in whom you trust deceive you with promises. Sometimes we read the promises of God, and just a moment ago I said, I told you, you know, if, if, you, if you're in need, he's your provider, and all of that list that I read to you, and for some of you, you're like, yeah, that sounds really good, but the reality is then the enemy comes in and goes, yeah, but that's not for you. No, that's, that's just in that book, that's from a long time ago, that's not for now. And he lies to us. And we begin to believe those lies. And we begin, to, we begin to think, well, maybe I need to figure it out on my own. And Hezekiah had done that. But now he gets this letter and he does something amazing with it. He takes this letter in Second Kings chapter 19, verse 14. And he says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord, God of Israel... You are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone create the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and, li- and see. Listen to uh, Sennacherim's uh, words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations and they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course, the Assyrians could de- could destroy them. They were not gods, only, uh, all only idols of wood and stone shaped in human hands. Now, O oh Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O oh Lord, are God. So, This moment happens where Hezekiah tried to fix it on his own and now he gets this letter and the letter is saying, I'm coming. Just so you know, I'm coming and I will destroy you. And that moment he had a decision to make, and some of you are in this place tonight. You're in this moment inside of your story where something bad and something feels like it's overwhelming and it's gonna overtake you. And so you sit here today and you've tried to make it, fix it on your own. But in this moment, Hezekiah takes, and he takes this, this letter and he lays it at the altar of the Lord and he begins to do what? He begins to remind himself who he serves. He begins to call it out. He doesn't just say, hey, God, protect us. But instead of that, he begins to say, God, I know who you are. I know your strength. I know how powerful you are. And what happens when all of a sudden we begin to speak that? Faith rises. Things change inside of us. Because we begin to say, God, I know that you are able. I love in Scripture. If you pay attention to this, you'll see it throughout Scripture I love it when you, when you hear people that are in turmoil and they'll pray things like, God of angel armies. Yeah. Why? I want to be reminded how powerful you are. Yeah. My problem seems big, but if I can remind myself how big you are, all of a sudden I can get through it. Yeah. So Hezekiah had tried to fix it. And, I, and after that, I'm not going to read this whole story, but Isaiah then prophesies, that, and God, that's God answering that, the, that uh, Assyria will not even shoot an arrow at Jerusalem. And so, so Hezekiah does what's right. He, he brings it before God. I love the visual of that, of, of him just laying it out before on the altar of the Lord. Here's the letter that I received, God. I'm not going to hold it. Some of you are holding things that God never intended you to hold. He needs you to lay them down. He needs you to, he needs you to spread it out before him. And then he didn't go through the, notice he didn't go through the letter with God. And then he said this. Why? Because God already knows it. So instead, he lays it down, and then he starts speaking about who his God is. Some of you spend so much of your prayer life complaining and telling God what your problems are and how big they are, and God already knows it. And no matter how big it seems, he's bigger. He's bigger. So listen to what happens. Second Kings chapter 19, verse 35. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. And then they ran. Uh, first of all, I love this part of the story because... And later on, beyond that, the king then goes back to his homeland and his own children end up killing him. Um, It's a a real feel-good story. Um, But what I love about this story is it says, the angel of the Lord killed 185. It wasn't the army of the Lord. It wasn't the hundreds of thousands of angels. It was one angel. Why did God do it that way? I think because he wanted to prove you ain't that big. You think you're big. You really, I mean, the Assyrian king, he was going around saying, I'm the king of Assyria, soon to be king of the world. That was what he would tell people. But in this moment, God says, I'll show you how big you are. I'll show you. I don't need 100,000 angels. I don't need 200,000 angels. I don't need 10 angels. I need one angel. And he wipes them out. Now let's go back to the psalm that we were reading. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Our God is exactly what you need when you need him. He's big enough to oversee the world and he's loving enough to care about you. As upside down as this world seems right now, the day is coming when he will be honored in every nation. He will be glorified throughout the world. Scripture tells us that the day will come that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There won't be a single person that is exempt from that. Throughout all of history, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That's how big our God is. No matter how big the problems of this world seem, God's got it. God's got it. See, the enemy will often trick us into engaging with him, trying for us to come up with a strategy to defeat him. But in this moment, everything changed when Hezekiah made the decision that he realized, I don't have this. I can't do it. He'd already paid tribute. He'd already done what he thought would fix the problem, and it only made it worse. But instead, he takes the letter, and he lays it at the altar of the Lord, and he says, it's not mine anymore. I'm letting it go. This thing that when I read it, I'm sure I can't even imagine being the king and receiving this letter from somebody who you know, you know, has the ability to do what he says, what he's saying he will do. He gets the letter and he reads it. And I can only imagine uh, the sweat began to pour as he thought. But in that moment, he did the right thing because he took it and he said, God, I'm not, I'm not owning this. I'm laying it here because I don't have what it takes to take care of this. But you do. And for some of you, I really feel like as we close this out today that you need to come to a place where you go, you know what, this problem, and for some of you, your problem's so small that you don't think it's worth God's time. It's not true. God cares about you. Whether whether you're facing something that's so big that it feels like it's going to overwhelm you or something so small that you don't want to waste his time with it, God loves you. He's a good dad. It's a good father. So he wants to meet you right where you are. But for some of you, you keep trying to solve it on your own. And prayer and trusting God with it is your last resort if nothing else will work. Hezekiah, I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't given the tribute, if he hadn't paid all that to the king, if instead he'd have done this right out of the chute and said, God, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not big enough, and I need you. And the thing that's amazing, and this is what I want you to hear today, because when you come and you lay down whatever that thing is, you don't need to reiterate it to God. He already knows it. But what you need to do is you need to start telling him how big he is. You need to tell him how amazing he is. And as you do that, not only are you glorifying him, but you're reminding yourself who you serve. There's something powerful about praise. There's something powerful about exaltation where we say, God, I I, I see you and I know how big you are. And for some of you, your prayer life needs to change because you you spend more time glorifying your problem than you do glorifying your God. Glorify him, praise him. I, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I really feel like even as I laid that piece of paper down on the on the altar, I feel like some of you, you got stuff in your life that you've been battling and you just need to, I wouldn't normally encourage you to do this, but just take one of the envelopes out from in front of you and write on it, whatever that problem is. Or if you have a scrap piece of paper, do that instead. But uh, And then as we worship, maybe you need to come and you need to lay it at the altar. And you need to just go, God, I'm not holding this anymore. I'm not going to keep doing this and then praise Him and then worship Him. Exalt Him. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's big enough to hold the whole world and He's loving enough to care about you. That's beyond our comprehension, but it's absolute truth. I want to pray over you. We're going to close with a little bit more worship. God, I'm so grateful that you see us. You love us. You have plans and dreams and desires for us. I'm so grateful that God, the enemy, he's so loud sometimes, but he's so weak. And you are so strong. <laughs> the most dangerous army on all of the earth and one angel defeats them. That's how strong you are. So God, we, we put our problems in the hand of that God. The God who is able. The God who is not only able, but that cares for us. God, I know that there are those in this room today that they do need a provider. They feel as though things are overwhelming to them right now. Some who are anxious, they need your peace. Some are hurting today and they need your comfort. Some feel weak. God, you're our strength. God, bring hope to the hopeless. But God, I just pray that in these closing moments together, that God, we'll learn that in this moment, the way that we see victory is not through us striving to make things happen, but for us putting our full trust in you. Remind us that you are the God of angel armies that you are the God who can do all things. You're the creator of it all. So Lord, we speak to the enemy right now and we tell him to be quiet because he's a a loser. He's lost. So we're gonna stand on your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and let's worship? The altar's open. If you wanna write something down and just leave it at the altar and just trust God with it, I think God's gonna do some incredible things in your life tonight.